You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Jason Daniels, Tony Groves, and Brock Hopkins. Hey, guys. Good evening. Good evening, all. Good to be back Hello. another week. All right. Well, we got a ton of topics today, so let's get right to it. Uh, NIS. Uh, I'll start out and uh, tell you about my races at New Hampshire, Loudon. They're racing for a lobster up there, I guess. Uh, fixed on Wednesday. Uh, boy, I got wrecked out. P20. Uh, there was nowhere to go. Um, it was three minutes damage uh, when I got caught up in that. And what really burned me up was uh, after that, I got used up a couple times on the outside and basically got door slammed in the corners or coming out of the corner. Uh, wrecked again, you know, basically finished P20 that day. So did you guys have problems? Or did you run at New Hampshire when you get on the outside and get used up? I uh, I only did about one race there in the truck. I didn't end up making the three other starts I wanted to, but uh, I could see the potential for that. Tony might be able to speak to that a little more. Um, I I really didn't notice that. Um, I I was kind of running a little slower, um, steady and all, but uh, no, they weren't uh, they they weren't getting into me at all, really. Yeah, it could have been the guys in my split. Um... And, you know, you always know which ones because after a while you get used to who you're running with. Uh, it's usually the same people week to week and uh, or some mixture of. And you know who you can race and who you can't. And a couple times there, I guess I didn't know who I was racing and uh, got used up there. But, uh, boy, that was upsetting. And Wednesday, though, open P7 after being two laps down after short pitting. Uh, during some green flag stops, uh, I, I went in, er, you know, fairly early. Uh, I didn't try to stay out. Uh, caution came, got a wave around. It was like I had four laps on my tires, so got the wave around. And then not long after, you know, I was racing. I hard and I had the lucky dog, and another caution came out. And obviously, saved my race. Uh, went on to finish P seven. Best result of the week. I'll take it for that track because uh, that's really not one of my good tracks. Uh, Thursday fixed. Uh, Jason, you were running with me that night, and you had a blown engine. I also had a blown engine from Rex. And uh, Tony, you ran top ten most of the night, if I recall. Yeah, um, I, I slipped back a little bit, uh, almost a twentieth place, and and made my way back up through. Uh... Uh, just pit stops and all that other stuff, but no, it's typically top ten most of the night. What was your finish? Um, f- ended up finishing uh, P eleven. Um, right. Yeah, that's a great run. Yeah, first time doing the track. I'll 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 take it. I figured if uh, a top ten would uh, be about a win for me, so uh, P eleven will be a, a solid second in my eyes. Yeah, I finished thirtieth after that mess with the blown engine. Uh, Jason, did you have you had two blown engines? Is that right? 
Yeah, the first blown engine was from a wreck, and then I came came back out, put about another 25 laps on it, and just riding around under caution, it downshifted from third to second, and then it blew up. And I actually saw that uh, several times on different streams, uh, people blowing their engine under caution, not any warning on temperatures or anything. I guess it was just damage left over from the wreck that didn't get repaired. Uh, so I ended up P25, and uh, I was in the same split as Tony, so I was able to uh, get some information for him and do a little rookie spotting there for him. Nice. Well, rookie spotting for a rookie driver, it, it helped a lot, those uh, last bunch of laps that, that you helped me out with, so thanks again for that. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah, that's the fun part of being on a team when you can uh, work with each other and uh, spotting for one. Another guy always is part of that. Uh, what kind of shifter do you have? I mean, why did it go down in gear? Oh, I, I was just I was just slowing down. The caution had come out, so I mean, I was catching up to the pack and then slowing down, and it shifted down from third to second just as I got to like fifty miles an hour. Huh. I yeah, I've not experienced that. That's interesting. So, uh, yeah, so that's New Hampshire. Uh, I guess I'll take what I got. I wasn't able to run on Sunday night. I just was never comfortable on the track at all. So I'm I'm not going to miss that place. Not for uh, not for five minutes. Uh, flat tracks are hard. I mean, any track where you have to slow down for the corner and. And then get back to the gas. It's difficult. Uh, that's the that's the finesse of oval racing. So, uh, on to another flat track, guys. Indianapolis. Uh, what do you guys uh, think uh, coming up to the Brickyard 400? I personally have decided that I will not be running because it is it is a full length race. Uh, in some of the half length races, I've haven't been doing this too long. My knee gets sore even in a 150-lap race just on Kentucky. So uh, I don't think I have the endurance up yet for 400 miles. So I'm going to be sitting this one out, but hopefully we'll do Talladega as my plan in the fall. Yeah, I haven't been running uh, B or A class uh, cars, so I don't know if I'll stick. I mean, I plan on doing C maybe this week. I might make a start uh, or two at Eldora, but no Indianapolis for me. Yeah, I'm riding that train as well. Um, I don't have the track, so that pretty much puts me out by default. Yeah, and uh, I don't like full-length races typically. Uh, this is, this is going to be brutal. This is a long race on a hard track. So I'll probably run just one start in open and one start in fixed. I'm not going to have multiple starts because the race is just too long. And uh, I'll take what I can get. And that's how this week will go, for me anyway. Uh, you know, let's talk real racing real quick. I mean, I don't even think the cup cars or, or any of them should be at this track. This track just doesn't suit those heavy cars. Uh, you know, we'd go to IRP and we'd have a heck of a race, I'm sure, instead over at Lucas Oil Raceway, whatever they call it. 
So, did you guys hear what they're doing for the B car or the Xfinity cars coming there? They're putting restrictor plates on them, and they're doing some kind of wicker or something. And uh, they're only going to reach speeds of the top of 160, apparently, from what I heard. And it's going to be interesting. Uh, apparently, you'll be able to catch a car, you know, from a straightaway back, uh, is what they were saying. So... Uh, what do you guys think about that? And do you think the iRacing should quickly adopt that package and try to get it out to us? I think they should wait to see what the product that the actual uh, race puts on first before want before making that change. But I guess since it's a simulation, we want we want uh, whatever package makes the racing most like its counterpart. So yeah, okay, so. I- kind of following the train again um it'll be interesting to see how this all works out um could make it for some really interesting racing i'll i'll be uh i'll be tuning in to check it yeah, indianapolis is uh one of those tracks i wonder if we would ever see the roval configuration i have no idea what the the uh road course section of that track is like but i feel like indianapolis could definitely uh use that li- that facelift maybe one day that's F1 certified uh, track, so it's ready to go. The laps are long enough at 200 miles an hour. I can't imagine them at 160 miles an hour, and that's a cap, so they may even be running at 155. Well, it might. Well, remember, restrictor plate. They might just pack up. This might be like Daytona, Talladega, all of a sudden. Now that'd be something to see, wouldn't it? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, iRacing does take on what NASCAR does. They do a pretty good job of that, but they're behind the curve a few months, typically. So, for example, I mean, the uh, Xfinity car, the 2017 Xfinity car had a package this year that iRacers didn't get until I think it was early July or maybe late June when they actually updated the iRacing B car to match what the 2017 rules were. And so that's about, you know, five or six months behind, five months behind. So that means maybe this winter we'll be racing that. So we'll see. Okay. Moving on to the next topic. Uh, Any dirt racing results you guys want to review? I didn't run any. So I started some dirt practice. I took uh, the street stock out in USA uh, because I'm running the truck series here in season three, and it's at Eldora this week. Um, I, maybe dirt racing just isn't my shtick. Uh, I just wasn't able to get comfortable. I tried about six different practice sessions. I uh, haven't been able to get comfortable taking it around the track. Uh, I'm going to keep at it since there's plenty of time in the week before I decide if I want to buy Eldora and do that race. Uh, so I'll keep practicing, but uh, no races just yet, just trying to get comfortable. And, man, those are those are beasts to control. The, the trick, is, and I'm no dirt racer by any means, but the trick is, is power down. When you think you need to let off of the corner, you need to do the opposite. You have to get on the gas and power through it. I ran uh, one hosted race on Wednesdays. Uh, it was a 360 wind sprint at Williams Grove, and I think I qualified uh, 
seventh, I believe, and then there was an eight-car invert putting me second, so I ended up uh, finishing second in that race, but I think the leader actually ran out of fuel before a caution came out to end, to end the race, so that was unfortunate for him, but uh, that league is in the zone race, and you can look them up on Facebook, but uh, it was fun, but that's the only dirt thing I ran all week, kind of limiting my dirt starts. Right. Yeah, I think I get some practice. I'm kind of, uh, there's another story later in the in the podcast that we'll go over that kind of got me excited about dirt again. I might try to jump in there this week. Uh, next topic, uh, Peak Auto Series. Peak Auto <laughs> The uh, series for NASCAR in the pro, they're running tonight uh, the Antifreeze series at New Hampshire. That's 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, this podcast will probably come out about the same time that race is on. But, uh, yeah, if I have a chance, I'll probably turn it on and see how these guys run. I think uh, Logan Clampett, who's been a guest on our show many times, uh, won this race last year. So I'm kind of interested to see how he runs this year. Yeah, I have a hard time uh, watching races, really. I always want to be doing it myself, but I might uh, tune in, maybe catch the the last bit of it, but it should be interesting. Yeah, they're going to have a chase and everything. And uh, I saw a social media post from uh, Two to Green, who has some uh, former Tifosi members in their, their team. Uh, they... Uh, have a, a peak driver who's right on the edge of making the chase and they were talking about it so should be fun to watch we'll see uh next topic i found uh steve reese from iRacing posted up uh on a forum post that said the auto generated track usage at that uh ruins these dirt races uh so when they have these dirt races the how much wear on the track is auto generated you know what percentage of wear is on the track and uh steve came back and said we have some fairly vast improvements to the track initialization utilization model ongoing in development right now shouldn't be too long until it is ready to ship to members it's significantly better through end and through uh through and through And so I don't know if you guys have experienced this. I mean, I think I did when I was running some dirt races where you'd get in the room and the there's no dirt left on the track. It's just all, you know, blued up, so to speak. Yeah, I think uh, that's what some of the dirt racers want is for the track uh, to be carried over into the race, I guess. So you have that top line going a little bit. Um, if you... I think if you generate a track in a race session with a certain percentage, it'll... It'll uh, wear out the top grooves, but the bottom line will still be fresh. Uh, so people want that top groove to come in a bit more, so maybe this change will do that. I know uh, there's one league I run where the whole practice uh, carries over to the race, and it ends up you get some high line racing. So. Well, yeah, because the host can make that decision in a hosted races. I think what they're talking about are the official ones. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yep. All right. Next topic, uh, glitch lap times. We talked about this in the new uh, time attack last week where there were a couple laps that were like two seconds long. Uh, Tony Gardner put up in the forums uh, this week 
Uh, good news is we fixed the glitch. It will roll out in the next build. Yeah, I think I had somebody in a room say they did the glitch, and they were messaged by iRacing uh, asking how they got the lap time. So I guess they gathered that feedback and were able to fix it. So that's good for the uh, time attack users. And that's exactly how software development on a game like this works is you get feedback from the users they find a bug you put it you know you hand a bug to the developers they get it fixed and guess what we're like two weeks later and they literally fixed it i also like that they didn't take a heavy hand and go exploit and threaten with a ban or anything they acknowledge hey this is a glitch Ooh, let me know how you how you caused it. We want to fix it. Help us help you. Right. So they fixed that up. Uh, next up, we talked about the survey that was mailed out, emailed out to everybody last week. Hopefully you guys did it. In fact, 9,000 people did it, according to Tony Gardner, who posted up about it. He basically said, thank you for participating in the survey. It is a helpful tool for us, which benefits everybody. Later in the year, we will do another survey more focused on the actual product features, etc., like we did about three years ago. This was more of a, a simple survey, which we have not done in a long while. We try to keep it short so it is not too much of a nuisance and people actually complete it. So, interesting, they got 9,500. How many total members do we have? Like 50,000 or something? So that's like a fifth, almost. That's, a, that's quite a bit. I think that's a pretty high number. Yeah, it sounds like a good number there. If they roll out a longer survey... Yeah, you'll probably see that number go down a little bit, but still a good amount of participation there. Yeah. Uh, all right, next up was Tyler Hudson puts out another video about how to do a lap at New Hampshire Speedway. And uh, remember, he's working for iRacing now. But uh, it was up on the, one of my websites I typically go to for sports news, nesn.com. And uh, so he's getting some uh, views out there. That that page right now has uh, almost 3,000 views on it alone. And uh, so a lot of people checking this out. It's pretty uh, pretty cool promotion. Yeah, it's cool. And I know uh, Parker Kligerman, when he's on NBC, their NASCAR show, their nightly show, I think he often uses a – they often feature him on the track that they're racing that week. So he probably did one for New Hampshire. I just haven't got around to looking at it. Right. They do it every week, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they don't start using NASCAR heat. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what could happen is the yeah. NASCAR heat marketing people can just spend a bunch of money and uh, give it to it, you know, write a big check, and all of a sudden, yeah, they're going to be using it. Yeah, so hopefully NBC sticks with iRacing. Maybe uh, NASCAR race hub on FS1, they can, they can have NASCAR heat if they want. All right. Next up something very cool 
iRacing popped up a video, a short video, 28 seconds, uh, of a team member on iRacing Rallycross for the first time in a VW Beetle. And so he's going around this track. He's dirt tracking the corners. There's a jump. He literally jumps the car, lands it. Uh, it looks fun. Yeah, this uh, this is quite exciting. Um, that, it's a it's a really cool little video clip, and and yeah, this is going to be a big hit. Is that uh, at Daytona? Is that where that looks like it's at? It does say that on the title below the video. It says Rallycross oh. at Daytona. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So uh, that looks like something they might. I wonder if they do they actually do that in the infield there. I haven't seen that actually, but it does look like Daytona when I watch it. I don't. They must put in the jump because I'm pretty sure there's not a jump there now. No, I wonder. I'd have to look it up on YouTube whether they actually have had a rallycross event there in the infield, but. That looks good. I I think I would dig this as much as dirt. I mean, this looks especially the jump in the car thing. I've always been fascinated by trying to jump an i racing car. Yeah, a few years ago, I actually did a video of uh, Bathurst uh, jumping uh, a car there. I think it was the Lotus. And actually stick, you know, sticking the landing, you know, and making like a good 150 foot jump and landing that car and keeping it going in one direction. It was crazy. So, yeah, I'm going to love Rallycross. I'm excited about that. Uh, next up, Martin Cronke uh, is featured on NES.com again. And uh, they... You know, he wins his seventh consecutive race in a row. And so he is on a roll. And I think it helps that maybe Gregor Hutu has uh, not been around. One interesting comment in this, uh, and we talked about Gregor Hutu last time. One interesting comment in this article uh, it actually does state the reason for Gregor Hutu to miss his second race in a row. It says, Gregor Hutu for Team, Line, Team Redline would fail to make the starting grid an unfortunate electrical outage the cause of his absence. So I guess if you don't have power, you're not racing, huh? I guess not. What Did he... Uh... Was I right? Last week, did we say that he was attempting starts in this series? Or what did he stop uh, attempting? Well, he's, he's missed two now. Oh, okay. And uh, the remember, we had an article that somebody put out with some speculation that perhaps he's trying to get that McLaren Mercedes job as a sim driver for one year. Uh, and maybe that's why he quit. But this article states that at least this last time, the reason he missed the race was he had a power outage uh, where he lives. So who knows what's going on with that guy. But, uh, you know, it doesn't, uh, let's not take away from what Martin Cronke is able to do here. Uh, seven wins in a row is something.
So good job there. Uh, next up, a Facebook post in iRacer's driving world, driver's world. Uh, a, a long, uh, you know, discussion on there about, hey, I got an A license and I've only been racing since March. And the discussion is, is that too soon to get your A license? I mean, when you start and you're able to move up so quickly in license class, um, a lot of people on this conversation were saying it's too quick. It's too quick. We need to somehow string, you know, string this out. What do you guys think? Personally, I think it uh, it's it's all on the individual. I mean, someone like me, I don't have a whole lot of uh, racing simulation experience. I took a long time. Still, don't have my A license. Um, but for somebody that's got a lot of experience, the fast track system would work really well for them and and keep them on the uh, on the sim. You know. Yeah, you don't want them to lose interest, right? Because it's too hard. I actually pulled up this person's uh, iRacing profile, and saying that he got it, he's only been racing since March, is a little misleading, because <laughs> since March, he has put in 336 races. Well, there you go. If you would have said, I finally got my A license after 336 races, I don't think anyone would have like blinked twice at that. That's right. quite a bit of races. That's true. That's a good, uh, yeah. That's a good observation you made there. Uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with the fast track system. It, uh, until we see another comment where it's a little more irrational, that one, three hundred plus races. That's that's respectable amount of uh, work put in there to get that license. Yes, four months feels like a short amount of time, but obviously he's been putting putting in a whole lot of races, so he probably has more races than some people with a year or eighteen months experience. So the number of races, I think, is what blows that out of the water. And the four months is, is just kind of a uh, surprise. There's a trick to this. Well, the trick is, now let's, re let's remember, what is SR? SR is how safe you are. It has nothing to do about where you finish. It has nothing to do with really how many starts you have. It has to do with how safe you are when you do run. And yes, you do have to have X amount of starts, you know, races to get from a, you know, rookie to an A. You know, I don't know what that number is. Is it 300? It's probably less, actually. If you went into every race since you started and didn't get into wrecks. Like I always tell people who start out on iRacing, I say, look, if you want to go up in license, don't worry about where you finish. You run a half lap from every uh, back from everybody else. So you're like all by yourself. Don't have anybody within 10 seconds of you. And if they get near you, pull over and get out of the way. This, the goal is to finish the race with no incident. And if you do that, you'll quickly go from rookie to A. Your I rate, your I rating won't be very high, but you can work on that later after you get your A license. But that's how that works. That's kind of, I don't know, um, you know, you could do it that way, but what are you uh, really learning? Like, yeah, you're learning to drive on the track yourself, but you're not really uh, learning how to drive with other people on the in a pack, you know? Yep, you're you're exactly right. And what I just said, you know, people don't do because it's not natural. You want to go, you want to race. That's the whole idea, you know, why we're doing this. 
All right, let's go next one. A reminder, uh, this weekend, uh, July 22nd, well, yeah, that's coming up. Saturday is the spa, 24 hours of spa. I will not be running in that race. I uh, I thought otherwise. I'm going to run it now, actually. Uh, really? With the, yeah, with the team I ran Lamar with. So we've uh, been putting some heavy practice in. So got a couple more days to prepare for it. But I'm excited. Never ran it before. So should be uh, definitely interesting. We're going to be running the BMW Z4. So. Okay. Yeah, that'll be fun. Do you know how many people you have for the whole race? Or? Yeah, we have four entries right now four. in the car. Yep. Four times six? Uh, yeah, I think so. That's 24, right. That's six hours each. Wow. That's a tough one. Uh, they also announced uh, the six hours of the Glen is going to be scheduled August 5th and 6th. And that's two weeks later. And uh, Jason, Tony, maybe we make a run at the uh, Glen. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly do want to start doing those endurance races eventually, but yeah, uh, I, I I know as far as as far as experience wise, every podcast I've listened to, every thread that I read, I really don't see almost anyone saying, wow, that really sucked. Everyone talks about how fun a time it was, how much the camaraderie really shines through in the team, and how much fun those endurance races are. Skill-wise, I don't think I'm there yet. Uh, Glenn, uh, the Watkins Glen is something I should be practicing for NIS anyways, but I think it's just too soon for me to be comfy in an unfamiliar car, but uh, I'm not holding my breath on it yet, but about 90% sure I won't be doing it. That's a free track, isn't it? Doesn't everybody have that track? No, you got to pay for the Glen. Really? I got it free when I started. Huh. Maybe there was a promotion at the time, or maybe it has since been f released for free, but last time I checked, it was a premium track. It probably is. Yeah, I might have got a, some kind of deal when I started. But, yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm open either way. We'll see how it goes. Uh, if you're interested, practice and just see if you what you got. Uh, anyway, let's see what else is next. Uh, Matt Busa has been busy, a busy boy. I guess he has some time on his hands. He uh, been working on danlisa.com, I think manually inputting all the results from the NIS fixed 2017 season for top split only. Uh, that's what I figured out after I started looking at this. I thought, okay, this is cool. Now, he does mention top split, but I, I guess I didn't, realize, I didn't realize it. So I started looking at these results. And my name is in here because I've been in the top split before on a rare occasion when there's not too many people. and uh, But I'm like way down on the list because I've only had a couple starts or in the top split. So I was confused at first, but I finally figured out, oh, he didn't put in all the results for all the splits. He only did the top split. And what he's trying to do, he's going to use this uh, timing and scoring website really to de develop basically uh, a, a chase uh, format as far as the points go, you know, 
or playoffs as they call it now. And um, so he's kind of just putting the data in place so he can start working on that. And he's going to kind of track points separately, you know, on this top split to figure out what it would be if we had a chase going on. Cool idea. I'd, I'd love to see him do it with all the splits, though, so everybody can be included. But I don't know how much work this is to do this. Uh, obviously, he's uh, spending time putting this together. I'd imagine it's uh, quite a bit of work, even just for the top split, but to to put in um, all the splits, yeah, that, that'd be a pretty daunting task. Right. Now... I don't know. I always thought the way DanLisa.com worked was it auto-fed from iRacing the results. And that's how it typically works. But according to his post, it looks like he uh, he actually used the word uploaded. So, um, so it sounds like he's manually uh, putting these uh, results in there to come up with these stats. So neat idea i'd love for somebody to take this idea and run with it if uh, matt's not willing to and like i said do all the splits <laughs> that'd be cool some math wizard out there i know you want to do it just do it just compiling the data you can only imagine how much time that had to take I don't think it easily exports like to Excel or something, does it? If you open up an individual race, I believe you can output it as a CSV file, which you can export to Excel. But you'd have to do that for every single individual race. I see. Hence, probably the reason for just doing the top split. Right. He just went each week and went through the top split, grabbed each one. Yeah, it probably took him, you know. 20 minutes, maybe, would be my guess. Okay, next topic. Uh, we got a new patch, boys. It was delivered today. It's called the patch number three of season three. Three of three. And so that was happening today. Uh, so when I sat down to my computer, I had updates to install, so I did that. And what was interesting is when I did it and I finished the uh, install of the various new update, it asked me a question. Do you want to put a iRacing desk, a shortcut desk on your desktop? Yes or no? And I you know, selected yes, and sure enough, I got an icon on my desktop to launch the new uh, user interface uh, with the shortcut. So what did you guys think? Uh, did you guys add the shortcut after you did the update or what? I actually I actually haven't uh, even done the update yet. I was working right up till about 45 minutes before uh, we started recording. So once we, uh, once we finish up here, I'll go and get that all done up and I'll be putting one on my desktop. Yeah. Yeah, I would recommend it because I think eventually we're going to be forced to use the new user interface, so... Yeah, I did. I know there were some people who I had to tell how to get the icon on there previously. How you had to just get your uh, go to your maneuver to your files there and uh, make a shortcut. So this is convenient, I guess, for those who 
were too lazy to look it up earlier, right. how to do it. Well, little things like that. They should have done that originally when it came out. But uh, anyway, let's talk about the change log here of the release notes. Uh, I'm not going to read everything, but we'll go through what uh, what I you know catches my eye. On dirt, they changed the car-to-car -car incident detection threshold for generating 2x contact penalties has been increased. This means that a stronger hit will now be needed on dirt tracks to generate a 2x penalty. So we talked about that, Eric. They finally uh, they released it. Uh, fixed an issue where ride height adjustments would continue to modulate while sitting in the garage. We also talked about that bug where if you didn't get out of the garage, you'd fall out of tech. So good to, so they're uh, fixing stuff. Easy anti-cheat has been updated to the latest version, EAC as they call it. And users will now always be, always be provided a reason if EAC removes them from a session. Like, you're busted, buddy. I wonder what kind of messages they have. That's actually pretty helpful if you have something unintentionally triggering that. Uh, like, I even know some streaming software could uh, trigger the anti-cheat. So it's pretty helpful pointing it out. Uh, dirt late model, there were tons of changes. We'll review those a little later. Uh, and then on the setups, they updated a lot of setups on the car including the NASCAR uh, uh, Camping World trucks and Xfinity. Uh, and then tons of changes are listed for the new user interface. I mean, literally, uh, you know, 40 different things that they've uh, addressed. Now, I have yet to run the new user interface to see if it's any different, uh, but I'll do that. You know, I intend to check it out. I wasn't really impressed the the first time we tried it. But yeah, I'm not really going to read those off, but there is a ton of stuff that they corrected, which they need to. So uh, I'm glad to see that they're working on it diligently. Uh, Steve Reese did talk a little bit more expanded in a separate post about the Dirt Late model. And they made some drastic changes to this car. Uh, rear gear ratio options have been added. They improved the front suspension model. Shock curves have been updated. Clutch de definition updated. Adjusted aero balance. Adjusted torque curves. Adjusted limitations placed on garage setup ranges, etc. And so uh, a lot of people were posting up in the forums. They really like the, the car now. It feels much different. Yeah, I haven't got to uh, try out the new changes yet, but I, uh, I spent some time with some late model guys and, and another team speak, so I'm def I'll definitely hear about the changes, I'm sure, and how they better improve or not improve on the, what's already there. Yeah. And they've done a good job, Steve has, with uh, taking feedback from the forums and actually implementing it. And this is really what the, the, the effort, you know, the final effort here has shown. So, sounds like it, they nailed it from what, and that's what the name of the forum post is called, Nailed It. 
they nailed it as far as the changes on this car that were needed. Uh, but the A car, uh, some people posted up after the release, uh, the front toe gets changed seven clicks now in the garage. And so he's basically saying, you know, the car is different somehow. My setups don't work. I had to click, you know, this button seven times to get back into tech. And they didn't specify what changes were made to the car in the release notes. So, so that's the other pe thing that people are uh, a little concerned about is, you know, how do we know what, what you guys even did to the car? To, how do we know to, what to fix, you know, how to fix it? So uh, interesting. Okay, next is a uh, post by Tony Gardner, a long post. <laughs> I did read through it before. I'm only going to pick out one part of this, but basically this was in response to why can't iRacing update these tracks like Pocono and Long Beach and finish what they started? Um, and so he he basically finally responded in a very long novel kind of way basically saying they're they're doing everything they can this is the speed we're going and it is what it is you know we want to get the tracks updated as much as uh, the fans do um and so forth he did say that the nascar tracks will be updated with the cup series title sponsor monster by the september build and that was the one thing that really jumped out at me. Part of the reason uh, of his, it was almost a defense of why is it taking so long, but part of the, his defense here was, hey, we built the ring recently. We built Lamar recently. And these are huge tracks. We're, we added dirt. We're working on Rallycross. So there's a lot of different things going on. The new UI. And so he just kind of points out, hey, don't forget the big picture here. We don't just update tracks. We do lots of other things too. And he talks about priorities a little bit. And uh, if you're interested, I, I suggest you go find this post. It, it actually is called Outdated Track Graphics. And it looks like uh, we're getting Lanier with uh, dirt, so a lot of people were expecting that, so that's good to hear. Yes, that was the one thing I was excited about, about dirt, to hear about that Lanier with dirt. Now, that is a free track, so that should be free to everybody, right? Yeah, I'd, ima I'd imagine, because that's what happened with uh, USA as well. Right, it'll be like the second USA, you know, the other track that they throw in for free for dirt. Yeah, that people can kind of just dabble in. Love it. Great choice, too. Um, now, that's, that is exciting. I did see that, and that is another nice little tidbit. All right, next up is... 
TechCrunch article, driverless race car at a Formula E event. Jason, I think you found this. Uh, tell us what you, you saw here. I didn't, but I'll make it up. Uh, oh, so no, maybe it was Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I come across this just uh, looking around, but I, I'm really interested now to hear Jason's uh, made-up uh, take on this. Okay, go for it, Jason. Well, I did, I did read the article. Okay, so it's not completely made up, uh, but basically they've engineered a car that learns a racing track from scratch. It, it does not have the track built into its computer. It goes around the, the track and scans it as it goes, and then as it repeats laps, it'll improve the line and in, increase its speed. Not only is it self-driving, but it's learning also. Uh, there's a small video of it. It's not going F1 speeds or anything, um, but still, if it's eventually scooting around corners at uh, 60 miles an hour, uh, it's having to process pretty quickly. Uh, it just kind of shows how much technology with the autonomous driving and self-driving cars has gone. Not only are we, te- are we teaching cars to drive themselves through traffic, but now they're teaching themselves racing lines. Uh, and, and what ki- what can that technology do for live drivers? I don't think we'll be watching autonomous cars drive 60 miles an hour around around a Grand Prix course. That doesn't sound too exciting, but what can the lines that it learn, how can that help the way we drive? How can that help navigating apexes, identifying visual markers on, on braking patterns and whatnot? Yeah, I'm not too surprised because I, racing has always been the engineering, you know, test bed for what happens in real life out on, you know, as far as the automakers and what they're selling to the general public. And we all know that these self-driving cars are coming. We, I mean, I don't think there's any stopping it at this point. And this kind of stuff is, like you said, you know, technology that's going to hopefully lead to better innovation, you know, out on the, on the real roads. Uh, with, you know, as a race fan, I'm kind of appalled by this. I don't think, you know, people would actually watch this. I mean, would this be an event to watch? I mean, would it be any fun to watch 20 of these robo cars race each other? I mean, can you identify with one versus the other? I mean, one's red, one's blue. I mean, it would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't know how much fandom you'd spark out of that. I'm sure, like, the the corporate people who belong to the uh, affiliations would watch it. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, they're calling it robo-race, I guess. Robo-race vehicles, so... It might be a thin one day. I just don't know how much fandom you could spark out of that. Well, I really think you need that human connection. You know, you know there's a human being in that car driving it. You've seen him before on TV. You've heard him. You're aware of who this person is. And if you didn't have that human connection to the cars you see on the track, it's just not the same. Yeah, that's right. And sometimes those human connections... Even in the real uh, motorsports world, sometimes they don't even seem human. So I couldn't imagine having no human at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it'll work. It's good. Uh, I could see it being a proving ground, though, for sure. Like you said. Right. A technology you know, demonstration or showcase. 
All right, cool. Next up, uh, Jason, this was the one you, you wanted to bring up. Uh, mixed track series, are we doing it right? Yes, it is. So kind of the general question I had uh, is, do you think iRacing is beginning to mix too many different tracks into a single 12-week pavement oval series? Like, do, do we think this is a shift, uh, maybe as a marketing push to sell the new content? Is this a shift in, in ideology that they want to make us a more diverse ra racer? Uh, overall, like with NIS, of course, it goes to Wat Watkins Glen and Sonoma. And I see no problem with two road courses and a 36-week schedule, especially since it's mimicking the real NASCAR schedule. It spaces it out pretty well. It's not a hindrance to people competing for points because there are plenty of drop weeks available to be used in the NIS. But if you look at the if, at the 12-week season for B-Class, you get four drop weeks. But in August, of the, four, of the five weeks in August, there's three road courses, Watkins Glen, Mid-Ohio, and Road America. And a couple weeks ago, the B-Class did the Daytona road course, not the Oval. So there was four road courses in 12 weeks. If you're an oval racer that has just changed that series to an eight-week no-drop, if you're going for a points title, eight weeks with no drops. C-Class has two road courses um, in Watkins Glen and Canadian Tire and then does Eldora twice in the next six weeks. As far as the real series, it does do Eldora, it does do Canadian Tire, Watkins Glen, and the second Eldora, it, it does not do. So again, it put, puts a pressure one. And I, I, I was just kind of thinking out loud, maybe there's a better way that we could be doing this to, uh, to also bring the road license in, because these road course weeks just seem to be complete and utter chaos with people driving off all or overdriving all sorts of corners, dive bombing a lot of corners. You can tell that these people don't normally drive road courses. Maybe we can integrate a partial road license into it or have like two thirds of the I rating and safety writing count towards oval and one third count towards road. Um, some different things that could be done with the crossover weeks that would still help maybe the road rating as you do a road course and still not completely get the, the spirit of the series. Right. I didn't realize that they ran that many. Uh, so yeah, that's uh that seems extreme. You're right that there's so many road courses mixed in, in this short period of time. I know there was the big push from Tony Gardner, send in a community schedule. Uh, and I, I didn't go back and look at that post on the Infinity Car forums. Maybe there was a request for more road courses. Maybe they are responding to feedback. Uh, but four and eight weeks seems pretty extreme. It seems pretty out on the edge. I think what's going on is they're trying to sell tracks. And uh, the people that run these series... The, the schedule they put out always will include tracks that some of the people don't own that they're going to have to buy if they want to run all of them. Uh, I think I first noticed this, uh, I think when Monza came out, it was shortly after Monza came out and all of a sudden that's on the a fixed 
13-week schedule. Monza. Of course, uh, NASCAR never races at Monza, and it's kind of ridiculous that it's on the schedule, in my opinion. But I think the reason they put it on there was to sell it, to get people to buy it. And I bet you this is this uh, variation of that. There's a lot of reasons it could be. I mean, Watkins Glen is the same week as the six hours of the Glen. However, that wasn't going to be the case originally. That was rescheduled because of the issues at Le Mans. So it just ends up being on the same weekend now. So I don't know if that's the case with that Road America. I know we have an endurance race at Road America usually once or twice a year. Maybe that is a sales point there. You're not going to use it in any other Oval Series, Mid-Ohio. You're not going to go back to any in, in anything. Unless they're trying to push some of the Oval racers, get a taste of road, maybe like it, and buy into road. Right. Well, I mean, the, the answer to your final question was drop weeks. Drop weeks is the you know solution, the easy solution for that Oval racer when they're faced with all these road course starts and you just use up your drop weeks for those. And, uh, so, but I like your idea of having some kind of mixed license, like let it affect your oval rice, oval license by, um, your oval I rating by a certain percentage, like 66% and then 33% on your road. Or, you know, if, you know, you're running the NIS and you're on ovals, it's your oval IR. You go to Sonoma or Watkins Glen, it's your road IR. I always thought that's the way it should have been, but uh, that's the, that wasn't how they did it. I think there was some technical reason they couldn't do that. The na- now is actually the best I- best time to put in those ideas and suggestions they have a real fluid ui that they're putting a lot of work into uh they've mentioned that the new ui is kind of the first key to a dirt license rebuilding that infrastructure uh if if it was a technology reason before they're redefining all the technology now this would be the time that you could try a change like this right All right, next up, we're going to jump to hardware software based on our timing. Uh, So let's go into that. We talked about this on a podcast before, the Goodyear Ori Racing Shoes. And uh, Inside Sim Racing has done a YouTube video about this this week. And uh, it was interesting to see the shoe. Now, I race with socks, so I don't think I'm a, a customer for this. What do you guys think? Uh, you guys have a special shoe? Uh, not currently. I do, since I have, like, metal pedals, I do use a shoe. But uh, nothing racing shoe-wise, just something I have laying around. So uh, nothing I'd really be interested in at this time. But I could see the appeal of uh, somebody who has, like, metal pedals and doesn't want to spend a bunch of money on like a pair of Sparco racing shoes. Right. Yeah, I uh 
I actually hate driving anything with shoes on. Um, drive big truck. I do that in my socks or a nice uh, slick pair of uh, slippers, nice and comfy. So I do that same thing when I'm doing the iRacing. Yeah, I feel like I lose the feel if I'm wearing shoes uh, somehow. I don't know why, but I have no problem in my real car with shoes. But when I'm in the sim, it just feels weird. So socks are socks for me. I agree with you, Mike. There was one time where I just sat down to take take some laps right before we went out to dinner, had my shoes on, and just fired it up since I had a few minutes, and I I really couldn't feel really couldn't feel the pedals. Uh, kind of hard to hard to explain, but yeah, it's definitely different in the car. But I also do not have high quality pedals, so that may be some of it. So uh, maybe once I get better pedals, they may appeal a little more to me. But right now. I'm good with what I got. Well, with uh, with the racing shoes, they're they're um, they're a lot more flexible than a regular shoe, so you can you can actually feel the pedals and everything. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's just a little much for me to to go that far for for sim racing. I think. Right. All right. Next up. A post on Facebook, iRacer, I excuse me, iRacing Drivers World is the group. Kevin Curtis posted up a, a couple pictures of his uh, rig, his cockpit, and boy, this is nice. It's a single screen setup. He's got a literal car car seat and dash and surrounding. Uh, door and everything passenger door is straight out of a real car i mean it looks like a real car when you when you look at the interior uh shot of this it's got the gauges and everything it's in a uh a kind of a box with uh roll bars kind of across the top and the back it looks kind of like a jail door or a, you know, like it's bars, uh, metal bars, and it just kind of—it's a false back kind of thing right behind the seat. But he's got a center console to his right and everything, you know. And uh, when when he's in it, it certainly looks like a real car. Yeah, unfortunately, it looks like you have to be a member of that uh, Facebook group just to see the pictures. Oh, but you can't bring them up? Okay. Yeah, I joined it, but yeah, I won't, you have to get accepted and all that. Yeah, this is a nice rig. Now, let's go to the next rig I found. The Sim Pit put up a YouTube video, and this is awesome. This is called the Sim Box. And this guy... Uh, Alan DeWint is the iRacer who built this. And he calls it the Sim Box. And it literally is a box that you get in and everything is contained within it. The entire rig. The seat, the steering, the computer, the screen is all within this wood box. I would say the size of it is probably like 12 by 6 by 6. And it is awesome. 
and um, it's a YouTube uh, interview with this guy, and he's actually sitting in the box during the interview. And then there's uh, several pictures that show details about what the uh, sim box looks like. And he's got a nice wooden dash uh, with a wheel and a, 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 a widescreen television. Real comfortable looking seat. And he basically gets in the box and closes it. For ventilation, there's a uh, fan that blows on his feet, uh, bringing air into the box. And then uh, behind his head, there's another fan taking air out of the box. So he said it actually stays quite cool in there. Uh, with the ventilation that he has set up and you can't see any wires or anything the computer is hidden down by his left foot uh, and you can actually act access the computer from outside the box yeah this is pretty cool i mean i'm not listening to a lot of the audio but i'm skipping through it and i did see this pop up on my subscriptions a few days ago so uh it definitely looks interesting i imagine it's pretty portable too so yeah, he could put it on a trailer or something, or in the back of his truck, maybe fit it. I don't know how big it is, but I, I've seen a lot of rigs and cockpits in my time. I always am looking for this stuff, but this one I've never heard of this idea of doing this. Of hey, let's put ourselves in a shipping container or something, a small, <laughs> uh, and that's kind of what it is. It's like a large crate. I wonder if it's what he'll go into when the apocalypse comes. Well, I live in Arizona, and I was thinking, boy, it's got to be hot. Uh, part, of the, uh, part of the reason that he built it, too, was uh, he had a small amount of space, and, and he wanted to have a, make a small footprint where he lived uh, as far as you know, how much room this thing takes up. And he's got like built-in uh, fans, you know, ventilation fans in the computer compartment where all the wires are. But from the outside, it looks like a big shipping crate. It's crazy. Yeah, if you skip to the 1702 marker, that video, I wonder, does he have it in his house now? Like, yeah, it looks like he has a loft on top of it where he can sleep. But I'm not sure if that was before he finished it or what happened. Looks like he has it in his house, though, now. Yeah, it looks like there's pillows or something up there on the top. You can't really tell. Now, he covered the uh, all the wood on the inside with carpet to kind of deaden the sound. And uh, he's got some nice neon lights down in the computer compartment. I mean, it's a really nice setup. And it looks real clean because you don't see any wires or anything. Everything is, you know, hidden within the box. Yeah, if you're a good like carpenter, that definitely seems like a practical idea there. All right, next up, another Facebook post. This time, Sim Experience Racing Simulators. I think they're based out of California. They were at the Honda Toronto IndyCar Series, and they had three different rigs set up for the fans to try. And these are the uh, full motion uh, with the... Uh, shock absorber things on the back of the seat that move the seat around and all that with the big 52-inch uh, monitors, I think, as well, triples 
So uh, really nice, nice rigs. Those monitors are larger than my TV. Yeah, that's a great setup. And there's probably 100 fans standing there waiting their turn to try it. And by what a great way to get iRacing out there is go to the IndyCar race and get these people aware of iRacing, you know, and make sure they understand this exists. Yeah, you'll be it'll be kind of disappointing when you if you if that's your first experience and then you just have to go to like a consumer grade uh uh set, setup. But yeah, it's still very cool and it's good to see that at a racing event. Well, yeah, if that is your first experience of the iRacing Wow, yeah, I mean what a step down that would be. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next uh we're gonna talk real racers and i racing collide. In the real world, uh Ty Majeski. We talk about him every week. Uh we finally got a picture of the people that won uh the hot pass, the NASCAR hot pass that the sponsor iRacing was giving out to uh members for the Iowa Speedway uh, event last month. And it looks like there's four different people that uh, got these hot passes, and uh, they didn't post their names, but uh, you can see their picture on the Twitter feed. What a cool opportunity that was. Yeah, hopefully that's a promotion they have to do here again pretty soon, but I don't know how it's shaping up right now with that sponsorship. Well, uh, and that's the next story. Uh, Ty Majeski posted up in Facebook, uh, P1. And he uh, put up a couple pictures with him with the trophy. And guess what? iRacing is not on the hood of that car. That's uh, a different sponsor. Uh, so I don't know what's going on there. But guess what? Another win. But he does have iRacing splashed all over his fire suit. So they're still in the game there anyhow. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll talk about that as we go into the next stories. Uh, then there was another win at uh, what's called the White Race at WIR, and he won that race as well. And that's the Wisconsin International Raceway. I'm actually uh, 20 miles from that track. I just didn't go, but uh, I've seen Ty before at another track here, but uh, yeah, I'm right next to that track. Oh, man, is he on a streak or what? It's crazy. And so he keeps winning. Uh, next up, Lionel Racing has released Ty Majeski's first diecast. And it is now available for sale on their website. It is an iRacing uh, paint job on the 60 car and it looks nice and uh, there's two available the 164 car is $7.99 the 124 car the bigger one $44.99 and they're available for pre-order right now oh I've got uh small collection of the 124s i think we might just have to add this one to the collection 
Yeah, very cool. I I sent a link uh, to this to my wife as a hint. Hint, hint, hint. Uh, I like this. I would love to have one in my office. The bigger one. Uh, yeah, I have some die casts too, and uh, but I always wanted an eye racing one, so this is uh, certainly would foot that bill. All right, next topic. F1, Formula One, considering using gamers to trial new rules. This is an article by Motorsport.com. And uh, basically, you know, what they're saying is, you know, they're looking at improving the racing in the future. There's a huge community of e-racers already out there through whom we could potentially put different environments and different changes to the way we race. We can get them to tell us whether the racing has been improved or not. It is not far removed from the simulators the real teams use. A lot of the F1 teams use software generated from the game industry to give a more realistic environment for their driving simulators. So, as you know, Formula One has new ownership now and new management. And uh, this is very encouraging. It's kind of a neat idea. Uh, you know, they need to try something out and see if it works. Like, I, I, let me throw out an idea. Virtual safety car. That's a fairly new thing in Formula One. Maybe it would have been a good idea to test, you know, virtual safety car in a sim environment first before, intermit, you know, implementing it in the new, real world. So I think that's kind of the idea. Well, it's a great idea, and why not use uh, use the simulators to, to figure right, that stuff up, out? Uh, I see down the article. Paints paint is going to be on the 21 Wood Brothers car, Monster Cup, Monster Energy Cup car, uh, for Ryan Blaney uh, coming up here uh, at the Brickyard this week. And... Uh, some iRacer actually designed the scheme on iRacing. Um, the sponsor, Motocraft, liked it so much, they're actually going to put it on the car. This is a tweet by Wood Brothers Racing. So that's pretty cool. How many times have we had a, an actual iRacing paint job on a real race car? I can't, yeah, I can't say that's happened before. I know on... Uh... The NASCAR subreddit, Matt DiBenedetto has gone there a few times, and people have made games for him, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, interested to see how it looks, you know. So I clicked on the guy who's attributed to the paint job. Uh, his Twitter, is, his name says Junk Knuckles. I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> He's got like a. It's pretty funny that his description. It's just pretty funny, and the fact that he's now made a paint scheme that's going to be at a pretty infamous race. It's it's pretty a great contradiction there. 
Uh, go ahead and read that description for us, Brock. <laughs> it says, and I quote, Hey, guys, beer drinking, butt crack scratching, paint scheme making, pace truck driving machine. Unquote. There you go. <laughs> All right. Cool. Next up, <laughs> the Clint Boyer Racing number 14 dirt late model. Got a new paint job, guys. See it in action at your local dirt track. They posted up a picture of it, and it looks really sharp. It's mainly white uh, with the uh, eye racing on the quarter panels. Uh, there's no hood on the car, so we can't really see the hood. Kind of got a blue and red stripe along the bottom, but mostly white from the middle on up. Uh, looks pretty sharp. You also see the the black paint job just behind it, still with eye racing on the hood, it looks like, and that same quarter panel. Yep. Uh, also posted out this week by Casey Kane Racing, uh, a picture of his dirt wing car with the hashtag never lift. And, uh, boy, isn't that the way it works with dirt racing? You just never lift. I mean, that's really how you run those cars. So, pretty cool of Casey Kane to, to be running that sponsorship and, and running so well on the dirt out there. Uh, I think he's in trouble of losing his uh, cup ride, though. Uh, might be a problem. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how his off-season goes. I mean, uh, I know they have that 77 car unfulfilled. He he seems like a good sponsor for like a five-hour energy, but we'll see. That's all the silly season stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think this week uh, we're going to hear about the 88, so it's all going to come to a head here soon. Uh, final topic. A video uh, on NBC Sport of uh, Kurt Busch answering NASCAR trivia while driving iRacing. Did you guys see this? I did not. I, I came across it, and uh, I just found it interesting. It's it's silly. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's uh, good promotion. iRacing, Kurt Busch, is, and he's just, you know doing some trivia so why not it's fun yeah he's up to the challenge i'm sure yeah what a rock star kurt bush is uh pretty cool to see him running the nbc simulator there but uh that's final topic so let's jump into final thoughts uh tony grows what do you got well, since I won't be racing uh, at Indianapolis this week, I'll be uh, taking that time to, to learn Watkins Glen and do my first road race. I'm pretty excited about that. That's all I got. Nice. You know, you know what car you're going to try to run there? Oh, that'll be just uh, just for the NIS series anyways. I see. All right, uh, Jason Daniels, what do you got? Mostly a, a week off from ovals for me. May try some uh, r road racing, see if I can get my license up. 
and maybe I'll dabble in a little of those Watkins Lens cards and just see what chaos I can cause. Yep. All right, Brock Hopkins, what do you got? Final thought. Uh, just uh, glad to be back. Uh, getting around to some iRacing news and uh, looking forward to Spa this weekend, so that should be fun. That's where my focus will be the rest of the week. All right, Spa Frankershaw. And uh, my final thought, uh, Indy, just waiting, to, trying to get through the week. I'm not a fan of the long races, but I'll do it. Uh, I don't want a big uh, zero in the column on the points. So we'll get through that race, hopefully get a finish and not get wrecked out. It would be kind of the goal. Uh, that'll probably mean a top 15 if you can finish. It is a race of attrition uh, typically uh, in the past, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, also, final thought is uh, Team Tifosi is growing. Uh, thanks to uh, Jason and Tony uh, for joining up with the team. Uh, we have another new guy coming on here. I uh, just talked to him today. So uh, a period of growth after some uh, shrinkage, after some people left. So uh, this team's still in it. We're still going to build and grow and uh, excited to have some new people in and have some fresh ideas and and uh, it's been going good, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely happy about it. I'm glad that I didn't bail on the team and go somewhere else. I did have an opportunity to do that, but wanted to rebuild a little bit, and we're doing that. So it's working. Uh, we are recruiting. So if you're interested in what we do, you know, check me out. Uh, you can find me at on Twitter, on Facebook, at iRacers Lounge. And with that, we'll see you later. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.